Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is Monday, November 29th, 2021. And on today's show, we have Big 12 football from the weekend to get to, but also the big news. Lincoln Riley is going to be the next coach at the University of Southern California. It was announced yesterday. We'll have some reactions to that and more coming up on today's show. Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Um, Thought this Monday episode might be interesting, and it's interesting for a different reason than I thought. So obviously now the news is out. Lincoln Riley is going to be the next coach at USC, and This is interesting because I thought Lincoln Riley was probably going to be on the way out. Last week, I talked to somebody uh, pretty close to the program, and, you know, the word in the street was multiple coaches had said that they would not be surprised if OU lost Bedlam, that Lincoln Riley would be out the door or elsewhere the following week. And then some even said the following Monday, um, according to somebody I talked to. So... This was was very interesting, and I think we all thought LSU was going to be the gig. I think we all thought there was a chance that Lincoln Riley was going to leave Oklahoma for LSU. That was the talk. Then we had Saturday night. Then Lincoln Riley gave his emphatic post-game press conference where he said, look, I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. Just So so that's just off the table right now. That is not where I'm going to be. And at that point, kind of there was a little celebration on Oklahoma Twitter, even after the loss, everybody was saying, look, see, he's staying. Uh, you know, he's not going to LSU. He didn't lie, but he wasn't 110% truthful, right? Because we got the news the next day that he is on his way to USC. And for Mike Bone to get this hire, the USC athletic director, it is quite the coup. It is quite the coup for USC Um, And let's start there. We'll go to Oklahoma, obviously. But for him to use, I think, the idea of Oklahoma joining the SEC as a way to kind of negatively recruit or negative recruiting towards Oklahoma, but to get Lincoln Riley to come, I thought was very smart. I mean, LSU is the only kind of job I'd want to take in the SEC. I think Lincoln Riley fully observed how difficult it is going to be to take a program like Oklahoma currently. And I know if any program set up to do it, that is Oklahoma, but take a program like Oklahoma, and take them to the SEC. It's easier than Texas, but it is still a very difficult undertaking to have a school like Oklahoma that, you know, this year did not even win the Big 12, and clearly this year probably would not have won the SEC either, uh, to take that kind of team and to build a roster and to build up everything you need to last in the SEC and to be a really successful uh, contending program in the Southeastern Conference. It was pretty clear, and I think George Reitster said it on Twitter. He said, look, a lot of people had told me Lincoln Riley was not thrilled with the move to Southeastern Conference. Um, and so that is why you know, I think Mike Bone used that. And for USC, this is such an excellent hire. It's such an excellent hire to get a guy like Lincoln who has got such a great track record of winning, of recruiting, of recruiting Southern California – his transition there in terms of that aspect of recruiting will be very easy. The lifestyle is very 
uh, appealing, obviously, living in Los Angeles. The one thing I have my questions about is he is not one for access. And I feel like in Southern California, there is a certain amount of, at least in 2000, you know, the, the mid 2000s, early 2000s, there was kind of the idea there should be access for some famous people, famous alums. You know, if Snoop Dogg wants to go to practice or Will Ferrell wants to come check out, you know, workouts or whatever, kind of that would be, that's allowed. That, that's, that's, that was, you know, uh, the norm. I don't know if that's going to be the norm now. Uh, not my experience, um, you know, working in the Big 12 and, and knowing people who talk to, obviously, their SIDs there. Uh, Lincoln liked things really shut up tight. Obviously, we saw this year with the journalism incident, uh, you know, the kids committing an act of journalism. Uh, we saw them shut down practice, right? We saw that kind of mess take place. Uh, them shut down, excuse me, media availabilities because of everything that happened to those students looking out over uh, on top of the journalism building. Lincoln Riley is very, very particular about how this stuff is done, right? He's very particular. So I'm not sure about the access, but that is a major hire. Mike Bone operated in the shadows. The fact that we got this on Sunday, I thought Billy Napier would be the big news on Sunday. Turns out Lincoln Riley to USC was the big news on Sunday. So what does this mean for Oklahoma? Um, For the Sooners, look, this puts them in a really not awful, but a very difficult situation. To me, the trump card or their best asset, I should say, as they were heading into the Southeastern Conference was Lincoln Riley. I thought his ability to recruit was a uh, was an asset that, you know, as far as transitioning conferences would have been invaluable. I thought, uh, his, obviously, his coaching acumen would have been something that's invaluable, the ability to get quarterbacks to come in, right? The ability to get guys like, like Alex Grinch on the staff was really valuable. And to me, that ace in the hole, that that leadership they were going to have, that guy that really felt like he was the guy to take them to the Southeastern Conference, that's now gone. That is now out the door. So is Alex Grinch, it appears. So are oh, is a lot of their recruiting class. And for them, they are now in a very challenging situation where they've got to find the right person to take them, not only to take over the job, but to take them for the Big 12 of the Southeastern Conference, that felt like, once again, Lincoln Riley was the guy to do that. Felt like he was the most important person to, you know, in this entire thing. But he didn't like the idea of going to the SEC, clearly. If he liked it a lot, he would have stayed, right? That would have been somebody who was going to stay there. Oklahoma fans, I know a lot of you are all upset this morning. I know a lot of you all... Uh, I feel like Lincoln Riley was somehow disloyal to you all. I, I feel like you guys were tricked or whatever. And don't. This is the game. This is how it works. I, I mean, I, I know it, it sucks. You can be upset, but this he did not betray you all. He did not. And that's not how this, this – this business is not how it works. This is why I'm always for the kids doing whatever they want. Transfer whatever you want. Uh, do the NIL deals. You know, be a good teammate. But still, this is – you know, these coaches are not going to show you any love, right? These, these coaches – are not going to be, you know, uh, they'll show you love when they're recruiting you. And sometimes when, when they're coaching you, they'll show you some love. But, you know, there's no loyal, there's no loyalty in this business, it feels like. There's a few guys who you could call loyal, right, certain spots. Dave Clawson staying is loyal, but also at Wake Forest. But if the right offer came around for a guy like Dave Clawson, I'm sure he would go and leave. There is no loyalty in this. I think Oklahoma fans are hurt because they're Oklahoma and they feel like their job is better than USC. Well, 
I'll tell you something. That's Los Angeles. That's Southern California. It's the Pac-12, which is a very winnable league, and also it's Lincoln Riley. That's a good. That's going to be a great recipe. I know. I know people are going to, are going to cheer for him to lose every single game that he coaches moving forward. But for him, this is, in my opinion, a really strong move. And if I, I know Oklahoma now. Bob Stoops takes over as your interim coach. There's a whole lot of uh, soul search, not soul searching, but, but but searching both for a coach and for an identity as they move forward. That's got to be done. But you know, the transition from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley was a pretty smooth one. They're going to find that next guy. I've seen names kicked around like Josh Heupel. I've seen Brent Venables. Um, we'll see if Bob Stoops, how long he wants to be involved. Okay. Ugh. Obviously, he'd like to be involved, right, uh, you know, through this period of time. Um, and maybe beyond that, we'll have to see. But Oklahoma's got a lot of questions to answer, and we'll be covering that very closely. If you want further coverage of this from the Oklahoma side of things, I very much suggest that you all go check out uh, John Williams, Locked On Sooners. They will have more. But uh, my big takeaway right now is I love the fit for USC. What a hire for them. And for Oklahoma now, just regather yourself, but it's difficult because you're not just picking the next football coach who can win in the Big 12. You're picking the football coach that has to transition you to the Southeastern Conference. That makes this search all that more important for Joe Castiglione. That makes him, you know, he's left. He's gone. I know Joe is not harping this anymore, but Oklahoma fans, I would focus on that part because it's, it's exciting. It's new. I know it doesn't make it hurt any less, but that is the important part right now because you all have a big transition coming up. It's not just about coaching winning football games at this point. It's about transitioning conferences, finding the right guy to take you from point A to point B. Um, that's not an easy transition, and a guy can help you win at a pretty high level along the way. So obviously uh, a lot, a lot coming here for Oklahoma, but Lincoln Riley, man, uh, this is not a move we saw coming. It, it felt like he was going to move on. It felt like he was going to move on and we'll have more about, you know, his time at Oklahoma and, and, you know, how successful he was because he was very, very successful head coach at OU obviously, but we did not see this coming. At least him going to USC. I did not see that coming. So that's the, it's the huge kind of headline for me there. All right, uh, let's see here. Quick word from our sponsors before we move on on today's show. Uh, today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. You can go check them out today. It is the best way to play daily fantasy in college football and college basketball. They've got tons of lines every single day. You guys can go check them out. Um, over-unders for yards, interceptions, passing touchdowns, all those kinds of things at prize picks. You use the promo code Locked On. that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On. You'll receive a 50% deposit, or excuse me, 100% deposit match up to $100 today at prize picks. Go download the app. It's available in most states. All right, well, Oklahoma fans, this podcast will not get much better for you all. We're going to talk about Bedlam. Uh, final score, Oklahoma State 37, Oklahoma 33. The score indicates it was a good old-fashioned Big 12 shootout. They hit the over by 21 points. That was not the case. While the first half was full of offense for both sides, to me, this game was won in the second half, and it was won due to defense. Now, I know a lot of you fans out there, a lot of you Oklahoma fans 
are upset about the fish officiating. Here's what what I'll say. Um, The late hit, I believe, on Kennedy Brooks, where they picked up the flag, totally fine with it. I've seen much worse, much later hits go uncalled. Uh, Calling that in that spot to me would have been cheap. That would have handed them 15 yards they just didn't deserve. The hit out of bounds on Caleb Williams, neither that too. That one felt like a flop as well. Um, And I know Oklahoma fans probably saying you're being a homer for the Big 12 Conference. No. And also, you know, I thought Splitstone Dua made made a great point. Um, The Big 12, you know, rigging a football game would be absurd. Uh, They they looked incompetent when they lost, you know, and all of a sudden they, they lost Oklahoma, right? But now they're in Oklahoma and Texas, and they had no clue it actually happened. They read about it in the papers. Oh, but now they're rigging football games. No, it's got to be one or the other. They're not. They're not competent enough to 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 miss them going to another conference and also rig a football game. They're not that complex. They, they don't have that kind of wherewithal, that kind of smarts and ability. If you believe it, just kind of you know had it go right under their nose. So, um, not not it was not rigged. The pass interference at the end. I will give that to you. That should have been pass interference. That one should have been called. But uh, I would say all three of those, no. I mean, you, you're not going to get all three, nor should they have gotten all three. I thought the last one they could have gotten, that would have been the only one, though, in my opinion, they, they, they should have actually uh, – it should have been uh, a penalty for the Sooners. So that's kind of where I come down um, on, on on that side of things right now. <laughs> so on YouTube, my, my hair is, I got the morning hair going on. You all know how this is. The morning hair going all crazy if you're watching on, on YouTube right now. I get the the, the post-Thanksgiving uh, haircut. All right, so on on the flag things, that, that's kind of where I come down on those situations right there. Right, I, I, I was fine with them picking up the first two. Thought the last one should have been the, uh, the pass interference. Thought that one should have been called believe OU fans in that situation have a legitimate crime. Man, my, my hair is going crazy right now. My hair is going crazy. All right, there we go. Uh, we're all good to go. Um, yeah, so that's where I come down on those. Caleb Williams, man, I mean, he did everything he could to win this football game. Obviously, Oklahoma State spots them the safety and uh, the, the muff punt as a touchdown, but Oklahoma's defense really did batten down the hatches there in the second half. I mean, it was – after that touchdown that they recovered, uh, here are the drives. Fumble, punt, 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 downs, downs. Uh, Oklahoma State's defense locked it in in the second half. They locked it down. They locked it in. Devin Harper on that last drive was all over the place. Malcolm Rodriguez was making plays. I mean, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State was all over the place, and they were confusing Caleb Williams, and he was not having as easy of his time as he did in that first half. It was very impressive in the first half. Second half, things really did stagnate for them, and Oklahoma State did enough on offense to get it done. Spencer Sanders did not have a great game, 19-30 uh, for 214, a touchdown and two interceptions, but uh, they got the job done on the ground. He did too as well, making big scrambles, big spots. Three guys went for touchdowns, Tate Martin, Jalen Warren, and Spencer Sanders all find the end zone. Kennedy Brooks had a great game, 22 carries for 139, not score. Caleb Williams was 20 of 39 for 252 and three scores. That first half he had was something else, but things really did seem to slow down for them offensively in that second half, and that's a credit to Jim Knowles' defense. And to Oklahoma State, I've talked about them so much throughout the entire year. Um, 
This team has now arrived at the spot where they are going to be favored in one game. If they win that game, they're most likely going to be in the college football playoff. I thought they would be that third team this year competing in the Big 12 Conference. I did not think Oklahoma State would be a team that was going to be able to win the Big 12, let alone go to a college football playoff. And that is because Mike Gundy's team has adapted to what they do, they do very well. They let their defense win that game for them uh, on Saturday night. You know, people once again will say, oh, yeah, the officials, whatever. No, it, it, that defense, they had six sacks on the evening. Malcolm Rodriguez had two of them with three tackles for loss. Um, Bernard Converse got on the action with a couple pass deflections that were that were huge. Um, two sacks for Colin Oliver, who's like, he's so undersized, but he's just a man possessed. And he's got great reactionary skills. I love the, the one sack where he worked the tackle up. Caleb Williams stepped up in the pocket, and Colin Oliver was able to, I think he kind of spun off of it and was able to kind of jump back towards Caleb Williams. He did a great job of having the where, you know, the kind of whereabouts, the, the knowledge to shape that and then go follow Caleb Williams and make that play. I, I thought their defense um, in that second half just did everything they had to do in their offense, did enough to win that game. And, look, that's what Oklahoma State's done most of the year. And just finished games better than some teams. And I know that Caleb Williams' run had a lot of people nervous, but Oklahoma State finishes off, gets themselves to a Big 12 championship game. So congrats to them. All right, one more quick word from our sponsors. We'll get to the last two games want to talk about it. If you want to hear about Friday's two games and the news about Sonny Dykes being official, we have a video and a podcast about that that is out right now. Uh, but we're going to handle the three game, the two more games, I should say, from Saturday after this. Today's show is brought to you by NetSuite. This is it right here. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls off and goes over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software to see the full picture. You need to upgrade right now to NetSuite by Oracle. Uh, Over 27,000 businesses have already switched to NetSuite and are using it right now. Through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program that is ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa. That's netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa. For special end-of-year financing, once again, netsuite.com slash NCAA. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to built.com today. That's built.com. Check out all the flavors they have available right now. They have a great 20% off deal on Monday, uh, today, right now. So you get at least 20% off site-wide. If you go there right now, use the promo code LOCK15. Uh, a brand new built bar has just landed on Cyber Monday. Caramel Almond Delight delivers everything as promises. Uh, caramelized chocolate check, almonds check, delightful, double check. It can be yours today. 150 calories, only 17 grams of protein. So use the promo code LOCK20, L-O-C-K-E-D-2-0, LOCK20, for 20% off today at built.com. All right, the Baylor Bears hung on to beat Texas Tech. 27-24. Garibay misses the long field goal at the end. Baylor let them hang in for a long time in this game, but they end up getting the win. And also, uh, they had to go back to Blake Shapen in this game uh, with the way things are going for you know for Gary Bahannon, Obviously, uh, you know he's not able to, to to play in this game. But Abram Smith carries a load, thirty for one seventeen in the score. Um, 
Blake Shapin took care of the football, 20 of 34 over 254 and two scores on the day. But yeah, I mean, th- this was, um, this was 17, 10 at halftime. And then it felt like Baylor was going to be able to, to probably put this thing away, but they were not able to. Uh, and you know, it kind of remained close once it got to 27, 17, I thought it was over, but then you get, uh, you get the Texas tech scoring late in this Baylor turns it over on downs after a long drive that got them all the way to the two yard line. Oh, excuse me, to the, to the 12 yard line. I like I like going for it. in in my opinion, in that situation, um, you know, you're, you're up three at that point. So I, I don't mind the idea of going for it. Uh, still, you know, you're vulnerable at six point lead. I guess you could say they get Garibay into field goal range and he's just not able to make it as a long kick. And he had such a great season. Garibay did, but uh, you know, tough way for end to Sonny for Sonny Dykes, but uh, Sonny Dykes, Sonny Cumbie. I like the fact they are competitive though. Donovan Smith looks pretty good. Looks like he could be a quarterback for the future there. We'll see what decision Joey McGuire decides to make. Obviously, they're retaining Sonny Dykes. Uh, Sonny Dykes again. Sonny Cumbie. And then for Baylor, the big story here is they went 10-2. and two. They went 7-2 and two in conference, and they're going to the Big 12 championship game. They're a top eight football team. They're going to be playing with a chance to knock off Oklahoma State out, out, outside shot at the Big 12 championship game, but at least they're there. They're in this position, and that's the spectacular part about what Dave Aranda is doing. We said so many great things about Dave Aranda all year, but it sounds like he's making that commitment to stay. And they won 10 games. Nobody saw this coming, and they're in excellent position, not just this year, but moving forward. Dave Aranda's got the Baylor Bears in an awesome, awesome spot. Final game here, and also this was a 4-1 week for me against the spread. The one game uh, I did say, I, I forgot to mention this, I did say Oklahoma State would win and Oklahoma would cover the 4.5. Nailed that one. I absolutely nailed that one on a season that was up and down for me. Um the one was one miss was Baylor not covering, but the one team that did cover in in, in this weekend, the final game we're going to talk about, it was Kansas, thirty four twenty eight West Virginia wins. They get to bowl eligibility, three touchdowns for Garrett Green, um, an awesome running display by Tony Mathis Jr. and by Letty Brown, nineteen for one fifty six and a score for Letty, twenty two for one eighteen um, on the day for Tony Mathis. Um, Jalen Daniels struggled in this game as well, but the, the big story here is that West Virginia got to bow eligibility, 6-6, six and six, and I don't think it was that good of a football team. And also Kansas kept covering spreads. They won two games. It was a successful season for Lance Leipold, a guy who came in in May, because they were playing competitive football at the end of the season. Their last three games, it was uh, – they had – they had a winning, obviously, against Texas. And they had two one-score losses to finish out the season. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff for Kansas. And West Virginia is going bowling as well. They, they up that Big 12 total. All right. whole lot to get to on today's show. So glad we got through all that. Going to have more in-depth analysis as the week rolls on. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at LOBig12. You can follow me, at JoshNeighbors underscore on Twitter as well. Find us on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those places. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. 
Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.